Ephesians chapter 1, as we continue our study through this wonderful passage, this morning I got uh, a message from our niece down in, in Texas who's memorizing the scriptures. She's doing an excellent job. Um, remember, if you're trying to memorize Ephesians with us, once you get the chapter 1 done, uh, we need some proof that you've done it. You can either recite it to us or video it of you reciting it, and then we have that, and then we could move on to chapter 2 in memorization. If the proof is not there, then we need uh, you to wait until uh, chapter 2, and so you're going to have to do chapter 1 and chapter 2 together. So no pressure. You have one more week to memorize four more verses. And, uh, but it's been amazing. Uh, she's, she's doing it. We're trying to do it. Um, and, and God's working through it. If you don't get all the way through it, chapter 1, don't be discouraged. Just move on to chapter 2 and we'll try to figure something out here, what we can do for you, give you a little bit of grace. But we want to move here and try to memorize the scriptures through. Why is that important? Because as we study the text, we build upon what Paul is saying. Remember, it was a letter to the churches, not just to the church uh, at Ephesus. It's the letter to churches as well. And... We can't study one text without knowing what the text before says and the text after says. So we want to memorize it and put it in our hearts. As I, I look through this one, praying for what really matters, it's amazing as we have a contrast between Paul's prayers and our own. If you look at our prayers and if you notice our prayers and even in our prayer list that you have every week, a lot of the stuff is physical, and a lot of it is what? Temporal. Now think about today. We know the elephant in the room. What's today? The Super Bowl. Amen? Now one amen. Did you know, this just came out, did you know that the NFL now is going to combine with prison teams, and they're going to have football teams from the NFL and the prison? Each team is going to have its pros and cons. <laughs> you guys are a rough crowd. Was that a bad one, Art? Was that pretty bad? That was a good one. <laughs> I like you. Maybe we'll get together for the Super Bowl. Right, here we go. Our prayers are normally temporal or physical. We pray for certain things. And remember, there's nothing wrong with praying for somebody's health. Be careful. Don't be cute with that. Some people get biblical with praying for somebody's health and they pray with Third John when it says, I pray for your health to prosper just as your spiritual life is prospering. That's kind of, imagine praying that for somebody when they ask you about praying for their health. Okay, I'll pray that you're physically as well as you're doing spiritually. That would be a tough prayer, huh? But we pray physical stuff and we get stuck on the physical and the temporal. But when you look at Paul's prayers, you notice that they're spiritual and that they're theological. We learn about God in these prayers. We understand God differently in these prayers. It's amazing when you study the prayers of Paul, how spiritual they are and how theologically rich they are. We learn about God in wonderful ways. These amazing prayers to study. He doesn't just say, oh, I just pray to God and that's it. He mentions who God is and what God does and what God could do. 
So it brings our hearts to God when we study his prayers. So they're spiritual. They focus on things that, that really matter in the long run. And they're theological. Don't miss that part of it when we study his prayers. And, and this prayer is wonderful in verses 15 to 19 as we're going to study. Notice verse 15 as he comes and we're going to look at the things that he prays about. In verse 15 he starts off with, For this reason I too... Now, don't, don't miss that for this reason. He just got done talking about what? In, in, in verses 3 and on, that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That we have been chosen before the foundation of the world. That we have been predestined to be adopted as his sons. That we have been redeemed through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That we have been known, we, we are known the mystery of his will. What a wonderful thing. We've had grace lavished upon us. And in the wonderful thing, if we, we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, we will make it one day because we have the down payment. And then he goes this, for this reason, two, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints. Now, now watch this in verse, verse 15, what he's saying here, the essential qualities of every believer. You say, what is a believer? What is somebody who is truly a believer in Jesus Christ? Here it is, vertically. They have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Their trust is in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. And then horizontally, how do we know that they have faith? Their love for all the saints. He says, for this reason... Having heard of this, that you have your trust in Jesus Christ alone and that you love others. The first part we, we like. The second part is not that easy. But notice what, what John says here in his verse, 1 John 3, 14. He says, for we know that we have passed out of death into life. Why? Because we love the brethren. See that? And he who does not love abides in death. It's as simple as that. How do we know we are genuine believers? How do we know we have a true relationship with God? It's because of our love towards one another. We care about other, one another's souls. We care about their spiritual life. So here's the assumption. He says, for this reason, to the very fact that all those things that God has done, having heard that you have faith in Christ, having heard that you have love for one another, watch what he does. Look at his prayers. I do not cease. His prayers are habitual. They're regular. He continues to pray. He's not just pray in the morning, pray once in a while, pray once a week. He has a habitual, consistent prayer life. I do not see, this does not mean that he's praying 24-7. It just means this is a pattern of his life. This is something consistent in his life. His prayer life is very habitual. What does he do when he prays? He gives thanks. Think about this for a moment. He is grateful in his heart. For what? Not that he's been blessed with every spiritual blessing. He is grateful in his heart. Notice what it says here. For you. Paul says, I don't cease to give thanks. I am so excited and thankful and grateful to God. For who? For you. Not for me. 
unselfish prayers. So he's habitual. He's grateful. He's unselfish. Why? Because they have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and they love one another. Let me tell you, if that doesn't excite you about other people, I don't know what will. We were sitting here this week and I was reading uh, Chuck DeClean's book, which is going to be a book of the month coming up here in a few months here. But Chuck DeClean's book, he was here and he spoke and he, and he talks about all the people that came to Christ through him. Just an amazing thing of what, how God has used his life. And, and he said when he was a young Christian that he would read these testimonies of the people who would lead people to Christ. And he asked this of God. He said, would you use my life in that way? Would you use me to bring people to you? What a wonderful prayer. And I remember getting stuck by that and just saying, God, look what Chuck DeQueen is praying. I pray that for my life. Lord, would you use me? Would you allow me to share the gospel and see people come to Christ? And then out of the blue, I get a text message from somebody who used to come here a few years ago who was a military guy who one day walked into my office who one day asked me uh, some things and I asked him about how to get to heaven and he didn't know. And I shared the gospel with him. He left and later got saved. And he got right with God. It's amazing what God is doing. He wrote me out of the clear blue this week. And he said, I just want to thank you for being there. I'm like, wow, holy cow. This is amazing. How did God? No, I mean, this is amazing. What did I do? God, if you cannot give thanks, I am so thankful that he's still walking with the Lord later on. Now, I got a funny story about this. He's at a men's prayer meeting. And he's like in tears, thanking God how he got saved and how God changed his life and how everyone loves him in this church. He said, I just want you to know, you guys love me. You've accepted me. You, what a wonderful church. And Chalmer was taking down the notes. And, and, and he goes, I just want to thank you so much. And Chalmer looks at him and says, so what's your name? <laughs> so his name from that, uh, that time on became What's-His-Face. And they had kids and we called them baby What's-Her-Faces. Here he is crying, thanking God for how the church loves him. And so what's your name, by the way? Isn't that amazing? You can't even make these stories up. But boy, I thank God. He started a Bible study on post. Loved the Lord. All it was was a few-minute meeting in, in the office, and God got a hold of his heart, changed his life. Paul says, you know what? I hear of your faith. I hear of your love. And I just can't stop giving thanks to God for you. You guys excite me, he says. He says, and I'm not praying for something that you've done for me. He's not giving thanks. Because oftentimes we give thanks for people. Oh yeah, thank you for doing that for me. And thank you for being a part. And thank He's not thanking them because they did something for him. They did nothing for him. He's thanking them because what God has done in their lives. God has changed their lives. God has worked. And he says, I have this habitual prayer and I am without cease giving thanks to God for you, making mention of you in my prayer. So here's the question before we even go on and even look at what we need to pray about. How is our prayer life? Are, are we praying a consistent way? Are we giving thanks to God? Not for what he's doing for us, but giving thanks to God for what he is doing in the lives of other people making mention of them in our prayers. See, we're focusing on other people. It's amazing what God's going to do in our lives when we do that. 
He says here, I, I, I do not cease to give thanks. Knowing all that God has done in your life and you have every spiritual blessing that you've been blessed with. And he says, I, I give thanks and I make mention of you in your prayer. And Paul was a busy man. But yet he took time to pray to God and give thanks. Now, what does he pray for? Notice in this text, there's really only one main request, but we can break it down into two. There's only one main request that he prays for, but then there's another one. So we're going to, we're going to bring it down to that really flows from the first one, if we want to kind of put it that way. So there's, there's one main one and the second one flows from the first. If we don't get the first one right, then the second one's going to be wrong. So we got to understand what they are. Notice how he prays here. He said, how to pray for others. First thing, pray that they will know God better. Watch this. He says, I am praying. To the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Interesting terminology there. He is the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember when Jesus was on the earth, he said, I am going to your God and to my God. God the Father, the source of all spiritual blessings. He's the Father of what? Glory. He's a glorious Father. Here's what I'm praying. That he may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Or in other words, we can put in the true knowledge of him, in the true understanding of him. Now, here's what he's saying. He is not praying for them to pick up their Bibles and to understand more facts about God. He's not praying for them to grab the theology. Nothing wrong with this. And studying the attributes of God. He's not praying that. He is praying that they would have a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation to have a true, deep knowledge of God. Now watch how this works. We can't just do that by ourselves. We need the spirit of God. And here's what the spirit of God does. The spirit of God gives us wisdom. What kind of wisdom? Practical wisdom that we know how to relate to God. You know what a lot of problem is? What's going on with a lot of people? They know about God. They know God. But they don't know how to relate to God. And so they try to relate to God with all their good works. They try to do this and try to do that. They don't understand who God is. And so he's saying, I am praying that you have a spirit of wisdom so you understand how to relate to God. Only the Holy Spirit can do that in our lives. And he will only do that through prayer. I was sitting down with someone. It was amazing what he said to me. He said, we needed to make a decision. And I was praying. How many times have we prayed this? I was praying that the Holy Spirit would allow them to allow all of us. There's like four or five people involved. Allow all of us to have unity in the same decision. That is praying that the Spirit of God will give us wisdom, practical insights on how to relate to God. You know his response? We know what he said? The Holy Spirit didn't answer my prayers. Four of us had it, but the other one didn't. It's kind of interesting, huh? But how often are we praying to God that the Holy Spirit would give us wisdom to know how to relate to Him, to understand Him? And then not only that, a spirit of what? Revelation, illumination, to understand His demands to really understand his character, to understand God and to know him better, to have this, this deep, 
personal, intimate relationship with God. We may know about him. We may know more facts about him. We may, uh, may know some more things in theology about him. But do we know him? And do we know him deeply and personally? What a prayer this is. He's saying, I don't stop to, to give thanks to God. And here's what I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you would be able to relate to God and you would be able to understand who our God is and have this deep knowledge of God. I thank God for all my seminary training, but I'll tell you, it's amazing as you walk with God, you learn about God deeper and deeper every day. Just this week, I was studying in Hebrews for my devotions and I learned a word about God that I, I never knew before. How He deals gently with, and that, that word there in the Greek, in, in Hebrews 5.2, is only there, only time in the whole New Testament, how He deals with those who are ignorant and wayward. And the word ignorant there means somebody who sins but doesn't know they're sinning. The wayward are the people who sin, they know they're sinning, and can care less and still sin. And it says our God is compassionate with both groups. I was struck. I'm sitting there going, wow, what a God we have. What an amazing God. How often are we, are we sitting there and we're praying, God, would you allow so-and-so to know you better? Would you give them the spirit of wisdom so that they can have practical insights how to walk with you? Will you help them, Lord, to see who you really are and relate to you? What a prayer for our children. What a prayer for the church. Pray this for me, by the way that I would grow in my knowledge of Him, in intimate knowledge of Him. Pray that for the kids that you're worried about or that you're not worried about or how, however they're doing. Pray that they would understand how to relate to God and they would understand who God really is. This deep knowledge of God. You say, why is that important? Because we are cruel to ourselves if we don't understand the God of the Bible. We, we want to relate to this world and we get so frustrated with the world and we get so mad at the world, but we don't understand the God whose world this is. He's got everything in control. And so what do we need? We need this deep understanding of God, this deep relationship. It needs to grow deeper and deeper. And Paul says, you have faith, and I thank God for that. You have love. I thank God for that. But what you need is a deeper understanding of God. You need to grow in that. And he doesn't stop there. What flows out of that, watch this. This is beautiful. Not only to pray to know God better, but pray that they may, may know God's blessings. Watch this. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. This is... <laughs> I mean, we're singing a song. Open the eyes of my heart. Do you know what we're saying to God? You know what he's praying here? Watch this. He's saying, I, I pray that the eyes of your heart. Why doesn't he say, I pray that the eyes of your head? Here's why. The eyes of your head 
informs. Oh, yep, I know about God. I can quote Ephesians 1. I know a lot about God. I'm a super lapsarianist. We had fun. The guy that picked us up from the airport, I asked him, so are you a super lapsarianist or infralapsarianist? He goes, I don't even know what those are. I said, what are you studying Bible college? You don't know what they are? I said, I don't either, and I've studied. But anyway, you know, you know having fun with it. We got people come out, I'm super lapsarian, infralapsarian. Who cares about those words? And yet, in churches, we like to fill the people's heads and give them all the information. Here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know. And they come out and they got a head like They know about God. It informs. He doesn't pray for the eyes of their heads. He prays for the eyes of the heart. Because here's what happens. Heart knowledge transforms. Lives change when God touches the heart. The, the, the knowledge, the head knowledge, they have it, but their lives stay the same. What good is that? Heart knowledge transforms a person. So we pray that God would touch their hearts, that he would go into the inner core of their beings where the emotions, the intellect, the will, the desires, all that is in there that transform the heart. He goes, I'm going right after the heart. I am praying that the eyes of your heart, that you have this knowledge that will transform you. Who cares if you know about God, but it doesn't change your life. I want you to know about God and I want you to, your life to change. And here's what you're going to know about God. That the eyes of your heart would see, that you would be enlightened by God, that the Holy Spirit would allow you to see. Look what he says. The hope of his calling. Uh, let, me, let me say this. When we talk about the, our calling, we start in the past, right? He chose us before the very foundation of the world. We like talking about the past. We can talk about the present. We in Him right now have redemption, freedom through His blood. Now, that's present. But what about the future? What do we have waiting for us in the future? Paul says, I want your eyes to see. Not only the fact that you've been called in the past and you have present blessing. I want your eyes to see the hope that you have waiting for you in the future. Now watch this hope of our calling. You say, what are some of the things that we're waiting for? I'll tell you what I'm waiting for is the rapture. Amen? Yes. I'm waiting. Wouldn't that be fun to do it while I'm preaching? I had one professor that uh, actually was a, a missionary. He would joke around with the students. He would say, look, if the rapture happens today, please finish the food. <laughs> Can you imagine talking to someone? That, Don't do that, by the way. Did you get that joke? Do you understand what he's saying? You're going to be left behind and I'm not. But the rapture, are you looking forward to the I'm sorry, I'm excited about the rapture. We don't know when it's going to happen. I'm excited about it. I'll tell you what else I'm excited about. I'm excited about the final redemption of our bodies. Aren't you looking forward to a time where there will be no disease, no decay, no death? There is a hope when we're with him. What else is there a hope? I'm, I'm excited about the second coming when he comes. I'm going to be on a horse. Isn't that fun? Yeah, we're going to be on horses together. I don't like horses as much as I do. But anyway, I'm going to be riding a horse with the Lord Jesus. I mean, that's going to be fun. We won't be doing much. He's going to kill them all with the word of his mouth. I'm looking forward to Christ's reign on the earth. Where he sets up his kingdom. Where we will reign with him. And I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. 
A new heaven and a new earth where righteousness, what? Dwells. Dwells. He says, I want your eyes to see something. That you have a hope in the future. And that hope is going to give you present comfort. Because we can deal with the things that are going on now. Why? Because we have a future hope. So if there's a pandemic, so what? We have a future hope of being with God. If our bodies decay, and they will, we have a future hope of being with Christ. No matter what comes into our lives, we have a future hope. He says, I want you to see the hope of your calling. And what is that? Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so the hope of the calling brings us present comfort. We won't panic when the world goes away because we know that we have hope. Look at the second thing. This is, this is amazing. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you would know the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Do you know what he's praying here? This is amazing. He's saying, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart will see not only the hope that you have in heaven, but that you would see today how valuable you are to God. You are His possession. And sometimes we look at ourselves and we say, wow, I'm trash, I'm this, I'm a sinner. No one loves me, no one cares about me. He says, no, no, no. I hope that you understand just how valuable you are to God. He chose you. He adopted you. He redeemed you. He let you know the mystery of His will. He sealed you. He loves you. You're His. I think of all the insecurities that people have and just want to be loved and just want somebody in their lives who care about them or just want to feel like somebody believes in them. God loves us. And He says, I want your eyes to see that. Just how valuable you are to God. Just what your life is about. That, that you would see. Sometimes you, you try to encourage your kids and help them to realize that when they don't feel like anybody cares. Look, God cares about you. He loves you. So people who are insecure, they turn to different things. To feel that way. To feel that they're valuable to God. And he says, I just praying. That God would open up your eyes so that you would see who you are in Jesus Christ. I never forget when one of the counselors looked at a guy and said, let me ask you, who, who are you? And the guy says, well, I'm this, I'm depressed, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that, I'm that. And the counselor looked at him and said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You are a child of God, redeemed in Jesus Christ. And as he was telling him that, tears started to come down the guy's eyes. Because all he saw himself was as a depressed, low life, no good. He didn't realize he's a child of God. Paul says, I pray that you see it. I pray that you understand the hope of your calling. I pray that you understand the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. But he doesn't stop there. He says this, I pray that you understand what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. 
So here's what he's praying. He's saying, I want you to understand, and here's where this gets fun, that you have divine dynamite in you. Don't you like that word? Dynamite, dunamis? Dynamite. You have divine dynamite in you. He uses four different Greek words for strength, for energy, for God's power. He says this, you have God's power to live for God. You need to see that. I want the eyes of your heart to understand the hope. The eyes of your heart that you understand how valuable you are. And the eyes of your heart to understand the power you have to live for God. Amen. Now watch this. You say, what kind of power do I have? We have power to witness. How many of us understand that people say, I'm so scared to talk to people about Jesus and I really might fumble. Do you understand that the, the Holy Spirit has come upon and made us witnesses? We have power to witness for Jesus Christ. We have power, look at this, we have power to overcome sin. Now remember, and boy, I've, I've lived this in the last couple of weeks, how easy it is to get out of good habits. I've been eating right, trying to eat right, well, not really eating too right, but some right, some are. I've been fasting, I've been walking. And then I went to Bob Jones. And the food, and the ice cream, and the cake. And you know what? I'll tell you something. Ask my family. When I'm fasting and walking and all that, I'm not always in the best of moods, <laughs> especially at night. I'm irritable. Go to bed. Go to bed. Ah, la, la, la. But at Bob Jones, I was in a great mood. <laughs> ice cream makes me smile. I didn't get my steps in. I could care less. And then I look at my belly and the scale, and now I'm like, oh no! How hard it is, how hard it is to stay in good habits. How easy it is to stay in bad habits. You notice that? But let me just say this we have the power of the Holy Spirit to live for God. There's no excuse. You can't say I'm powerless. I have to eat that. No, you're not powerless. You, you, you don't have to. You can live for God. Somebody says I'm powerless. I can't stop doing the drugs I'm doing. No, no, no. You have the power of the Holy Spirit to stop using those drugs. To stop hitting the bottle. To whatever it may be. Your vice. We have the power to overcome sin. Not only that, we have power... To stand against the devil. I can't wait to preach that text. People are trying to fight the devil in so many ways. Wait, we have the power of God. We put the armor of God and we stand in the power of his might. And we have the power of God to live for him. Romans 6, 4. But here's the question. As we look at this verse, here's the question. Why do we often fail to rely on this mighty power? Guy walked into the office of a pastor and he said, I've tried everything I could, but I still can't stop cheating on my wife. He said, I cheat on her all the time. Go to this girl and that girl and this girl. And he mentioned, he goes, I know the Bible left and right. I've studied in the seminary, but I still cheat on my wife. The pastor looked at him and says, you don't understand the power of God. You know why we don't rely on the power of God? Because we fail to pray for the power of God. 
And Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would understand that you have the very power you need. The very power that took us from being dead in our sins to alive in Christ. The very power that took us from living disobedient to obedience. The very power that did that change in our lives is the same power that works. But it even gets better than that. we, we got to wait till next week to really understand. He says the very power that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead is the very power that is working in your heart right now. The power that is able to change our lives. Somebody once said, and it's true, you want somebody to change, pray for them to change. And you watch God work in their hearts. We had a young couple in Argentina. They just couldn't get their act together. Ever meet anyone like that? Just look in the mirror. But anyway, um, we're all like that. But this, this, this couple just couldn't. And no matter how hard I tried, I gave them verses, Bible studies. I married them. We did a lot of things together. It, it was just, but they just couldn't get their act together. And I remember just praying, God, you got to do something because I've tried everything. I can't do anything. And all of a sudden, I don't know what it was. We, a few weeks went by, a couple months. I started to notice a change in their lives through the power of God and through the power of prayer. That couple is on fire for God. And you say, how did he do it? Prayer. You want people to change. Pray. But don't just pray, God, would you take care of this for them or keep them safe on the road? No, no. Pray that they would know God better. That the spirit of wisdom and revelation that they would understand how to relate to him and understand who he really is and have that intimate knowledge with God. Pray that they know God better and flowing out of that, that the eyes of their hearts would what? See that this world is not all that we have. Don't get so upset about politics and all the things that are going on. This world is not all that we have. We have hope of our calling. And then... Pray that they understand just how valuable they are to God, who they are in Christ. And then pray that the eyes of their heart would really, really understand the power they have to live for God. They don't have to live in that sin. They could live for Him. But they got to see the greatness of the power inside of them. So pray for that. What a prayer! And this is just one of Paul's prayers. We got another one in chapter 3 to deal with. So my question is this, how are we praying? How are we spending time with God? Are we really praying for what matters? Let's bow in prayer. Lord, it's easy for me right now to just to come before you and ask the church to know all of us to know you better. Lord, I really pray that is the desire of our hearts. That we would give thanks to you for the work that you're doing in the lives of others. Lord, it's one thing to have faith. It's another thing to have love. But to have that knowledge of you, to know you better. To understand how to relate to you. To understand who you are. 
and what You demand of us. God, I pray that You help us. That we're not trusting in anything except Jesus Christ and Him alone. And that You would open up the eyes of our hearts so that we may see the very hope of the calling that we have. That we would understand the riches of the glory of our inheritance. We're yours, who we are in Christ. And that we would understand the very power that we have, the resurrected resurrection power that we have to live for you. God, I pray that for our children. I pray that for our relatives, our friends, our neighbors. I pray that for those who know about you but really don't know you. I pray for those who are struggling to find out their identity or who they are. Help them to understand who they are in Christ. I pray for those who are struggling with the addictions and, 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 and feel trapped in their sin and they can't be released from their sin, that they would understand that the very power that they have inside of them to live for you. God, open the eyes of our hearts. We don't want just to know about you. We want to know you. Transform us. I pray in 2021 that Whitefield Community Bible Church would know you better than ever before. We would grow deeper in our knowledge of you. And that our hearts and our lives would be different because of it. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name. For we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in him. Amen. Would please stand with us. Last song is the dollar.